Geopolitics and Empire is joined by economist, financial broker, author, and podcaster Peter Schiff to talk about the current state of the economy in light of the coronavirus hysteria and what may be the popping of the biggest financial bubble in the history of the world. Mr. Schiff, many are calling the coronavirus the black swan that we've all been waiting for. You're saying that this is the pin that is going to or has already perhaps pricked the greatest financial bubble in the history of the world. The Federal Reserve just had a meeting issuing a historic rate cut to stave off the collapse of the stock market and you're warning of an even bigger bubble in bonds. Is this the real deal and is 2020 the year we see the sequel to the 2008 global financial crisis? Yeah, you know, it looks that way. Uh, you know, who would have known that the pin for this bubble would end up being a virus, right? Uh, but you never know. But uh, bubbles always find their pins. And, uh, you know, it looks like this one found one. But what's happening now is not because of the coronavirus. It's, you know, that's the pin. The problem is the bubble that the pin just pricked. And so at this point, I'm not even sure, uh, you know, it matters as much about what happens with the virus. I mean, it matters certainly health-wise and the people who are affected by it. But I think in the scheme of things, I think the bubble is already pricked. You know, regardless of what happens to the pin, I think the air is going to come out. Between the economies uh, of the U.S., the EU, and, and China, who do you think will be hit the hardest? And what consequences do you, do you see as a result of, uh, uh, of the popping of the bubble around the world? Well, I think the U.S. I mean, the, the, the biggest problem is the countries that have the most debt because they're the most vulnerable, the most susceptible uh, to an economic downturn. You know, think about it in terms of a household. If, uh, you know, you have a lot of savings, let's say, you know, a household, uh, you have, you know, a year or two worth of income saved. If you lose your job, well, it's not a complete disaster. You have money in the bank, you can make your mortgage payment, you can make your car payment while you're looking for another job. But if you have nothing saved and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you miss one paycheck, you can't make your mortgage payment. You can't, uh, you know, make your car payment. And not only does that impact you, but that impacts the guy that was expecting to receive or the financial institution that was looking to get that mortgage payment or that car payment. So it really has big ramifications. And that's the U.S. economy. I mean, you've got all these companies, thanks to the Fed, that have lots of debt. If their revenue goes down because of a temporary problem, well, they have to make payments on their debt. But what if they can't do that? Well, there's a default. But what about the other side of that loan that was expecting to get the money. Now it doesn't get the money. And now these businesses have to start laying off workers. But again, the workers don't have any savings. They're, like I said, living paycheck to paycheck. Now they can't make their payments. They can't pay their bills. They can't pay uh, their car payments or their mortgages or their credit card bills. So now what happens? You have a complete implosion. You have another financial crisis. We are set up for a bigger financial crisis now than the one we had in 2008 because we have so much more debt now than we had then. And if you could tell us a little bit more of how do you see this this playing out? We uh, we all experienced the you know the two thousand seven eight nine crisis, banks going bust. How do you see this playing out? You know, is it going to be like nineteen twenty nine uh, again or something uh, even worse? No, I think it's going to be worse because I don't think the Fed has the ability to bail us out again. You know, uh, I think it's at this point when they try and they will try, they're just going to destroy the dollar. They're going to create a currency and then a sovereign debt crisis. So I think instead of people fleeing to the dollar, like they did in 08, they're going to flee from the dollar. And so that's going to just really compound the problems. Do you, do you see this, you know, some of the, the politics of President Trump and as well as this crisis being a, a catalyst perhaps for the return of U.S. manufacturing 
No, there is no manufacturing returning to the U.S. I mean, that was all a myth. I mean, that's never happened. I mean, manufacturing was in a slump even before the corona priors. And now it's going to be an even bigger slump. And what do you think this means for President Trump? And what do you make of James Woods' recent comment that, uh, quite interesting, that Joe Biden will choose Hillary Clinton as his running mate who could eventually replace Biden as president if Biden has to step down for health reasons? So how do you think uh, this will impact (laughs) this year's elections? Well, I don't know who uh, Biden is going to choose for VP. I'm assuming he's going to choose the person who's most likely to help him, which is generally uh, what happens. And maybe Amy Klobuchar, you know, is a, is a, is a woman that I think has more appeal than Hillary. I mean, Hillary has a lot of problems. I don't think Klobuchar has those problems. Obviously the Clintons have the connections and they have a lot of clout, but, um, I think a better way to put Hillary in office would be to have somebody more palatable on the ticket now and then Biden could resign or Klobuchar could become president and then she gets to pick who she wants for her vice president. Then maybe she could pick Hillary and then she could resign. But I doubt she would give up power when she had it. I don't know. But I mean, I, I, it's going to be a political decision. But what I do think, and I think the markets haven't even digested this, is that while Sanders was clearly worse than uh, Biden and the Sanders presidency would be a much bigger disaster for the markets and the economy than Biden. Biden's still a disaster. And the reality is, Biden will win if we're in a recession. See, Sanders was so radical that it was possible that Trump could get reelected even if the economy was in a recession. Now, he may not have. It was kind of maybe a toss-up. But I think if we are in a recession in November, Biden wins. I mean, I don't think there's any way Trump can get reelected if the economy is in a recession when people go to the polls. So that's what um, nobody is preparing for. And, and, and it should become a self-fulfilling prophecy for the markets, because obviously, if we're in a recession, we're probably also going to be in a bear market. And Trump's claim to fame, I mean, his own barometer of success is the level of the stock market. And if the stock market is way down, when he's, you know, people are voting, then obviously, you know, his presidency was a failure. If by his own standard, you judge the effectiveness of a presidency by the level of the stock market. So as the stock market falls, the likelihood of Trump getting reelected falls with it. And then people should be selling stocks, because if you think the stock market is up because of corporate tax cuts, you're going to have hikes uh, if Biden wins. Uh, If you think the market is rising because of deregulation, well, you're going to have a lot more regulation if Biden is elected. And of course, if you're worried about budget deficits, they're going to be much bigger, even though they're record highs now, they're going to be even bigger when Biden's president. So there's a lot of uh, things that the markets are overlooking that they should be worried about. And what are your thoughts, perhaps just to, to continue that train of thought uh, on the the, cri- the paralysis and gridlock uh, that we're seeing in the U.S., this soft kind of civil war? Uh, you're someone who's been outspoken on the topics of capitalism and socialism. And what do you make? Uh, there was an interesting comment by the former New York, New York City police commissioner who said that he considers socialism now to be a bigger threat to the U.S. than even uh, Islamist terrorism. What are your thoughts on what's happening in the U.S.? Oh, yeah. I mean, socialism is always a big threat. That's the problem with democracy. I mean, every democracy in the history of the world has succumbed uh, to socialism in one form or another. You know, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, that's that's what the founding fathers were worried about when they established the U.S. as a republic. They didn't want it to be a democracy. 
because they were worried about democracies because the public will vote for socialism. And uh, that's what's happening. It's happening in America. Socialism is getting more and more popular because people want free stuff. You know, people want stuff they didn't earn. They want to take things from other people. And, you know, and, and, and uh, socialism appeals to greed and envy, which are some of the lowest uh, human emotions, but we all have them. And, and the problem is, you know, socialism creeps into the economy in a way that it undermines the economy and therefore, ironically, the appeal of socialism. Because as the economy becomes less capitalistic and more socialistic, you create poverty and, and, and larger disparities in between the poor and the, and the rich. And that feeds on itself. And then you have politicians who blame the plight of the poor or the, or the, or the used to be middle class on capitalism when it is not capitalism, it is the socialism that has already crept into the system. And then the solution that the politicians hold for these problems is we need even more socialism until eventually you go, you know, full Turkey, you know, you, you go all in. Right. And that's where we're headed with, you know, like Bernie Sanders or maybe AOC. I mean, Sanders is obviously not going to be the nominee in 2020, but AOC may be in 2024. Now, you mentioned the flight away from the dollar. Uh, I know you're not a fan of uh, cryptocurrency, I believe. Um, but what do you think? And, and we'll probably see, uh, as you've mentioned before, flight uh, into other assets such as gold. But do you ever see the U.S. dollar losing its world reserve status and what could possibly challenge it? Well, I do believe that the dollar will uh, lose that status. But I do not think that some other currency is going to simply you know, fill the void. Prior to the dollar being the reserve currency, Gold was the reserve for all currencies. And I think we're just going to return to that dynamic. I mean, that's, you know, the, the reason that the dollar became the reserve currency was because not only was it backed by gold, but it was redeemable into gold. So you could take your Federal Reserve notes and hand them in, and they would give you gold at a, at a, at a fixed exchange rate. And, and so we eventually severed that link, and that was the problem. And now we're you know, dealing with the consequences. But I think that the world is simply going to return to a sounder uh, reserve system where uh, paper currencies are backed by real money, gold. I mean, that's how it was supposed to be. And that's how it's going to be again in the future. And I think that is why you're seeing central banks around the world continuing to increase their holdings of gold because they are preparing for the demise of the dollar and the remonetization of gold. And you've often uh, recommended folks protect themselves through real assets and, uh, as you say, gold. And uh, I'd like to get your thoughts, perhaps, on uh, a few more recommendations of, of how people can protect themselves. But one of my biggest concerns is the uh, ap during or after this crisis, the collapse of perhaps financial and, and some political institutions and the danger we may face with our financial accounts. You know, the UN recently has been urging people to stop using cash and to use digital uh, contactless uh payments. Some say the coronavirus crisis will help shift us towards more towards a cashless society. I've been a fan of gold money, which allows you to hold real allocated gold uh, kind of in a digital form. You're an advisor there. Uh, but something recently uh, interesting happened with my account. It was frozen for review, which I suppose is, is a good thing. Uh, my account was reinstated after everything checked out. But the head of gold money, Roy Seabag, made comments on Twitter that Financial institutions are increasingly being forced by regulators to use tools such uh, which surveil their clients. Um, I guess he was alluding to like 
the client's social media, political and other views that, that flag people on this basis. And he kind of warned between the lines that there's this kind of Chinese social credit type system slowly coming to the West. And so I'm kind of afraid of that. And do and you have any thoughts on this development uh, as a result of the crisis? Yeah. I mean, look, this is happening. I'm in the banking business as well. And, you know, we really unfortunately made a major mistake following September 11th. And I was a big critic of the Patriot Act when it passed uh, and, uh, and, and letting the camel's nose under the tent. But the amount of surveillance now uh, in the financial industry is off the charts, you know, right out of George Orwell, uh, 1984. And, and basically, everybody that oversees any type of financial transactions has to basically spy on everybody. Uh, it costs a fortune, and if you don't do it, you face very harsh criminal penalties. So, uh, yeah, there is no privacy or real financial freedom anymore anywhere in the world, uh, and everybody is under a microscope. And, yeah, that's, that really helped undermine uh, gold money's business model of really monetizing gold uh, and having people using gold as a medium of exchange because in order to do the transactions, which, you know, the technology is there to do it very simply. It's very easy for people to spend gold uh, and use gold as a means of exchange. It's just that the regulatory cost of complying with these rules and regulations makes it prohibitively expensive to do. So that's why gold money kind of just retreated into, hey, we'll, we'll buy your gold, you can hold it, you can store it, but, you know, hey, don't use it to pay your electric bill because, the, you know, they're making it too expensive. Uh, but the same thing is going to happen with cryptocurrencies. I mean, I mean, the, the, the regulations that are going to be coming, I mean, not that these things were going to succeed anyway. They wouldn't. But they are going to tighten it so bad that I think all the, the, the exchanges will eventually uh, be out of business. I mean, or, or it's going to, it's going to have, they're going to have to charge such a high fee to buy and sell these uh, things uh, that it's going to make the transactions prohibitively expensive for people to engage in. Uh, and, but, and, and they may even just outlaw them outright. I mean, so the whole thing would have to go underground, you know, and, you know, and people would have to risk uh, harsh criminal penalties if they got caught, you know, with, with any, uh, any Bitcoin or other digital currency. I mean, all that stuff uh, could be coming. All right. Is there anything else you feel uh, important to mention or any final thoughts uh, to leave us with as we go into 2020? Yeah, I mean, just be careful. I mean, uh, this bubble's going to pop. There's a lot of air in it. People should be buying gold. Don't be afraid that you've missed the boat because we're at, you know, 1670. We're going much, much higher. Uh, the, the real money, I think, is in the gold stocks. They're still giving these things away because people still have no idea uh, how high the price of gold is, is going. Um, you know, my gold fund, I got a five-star gold fund. I think I have the best manager in the business, got an excellent track record, Adrian Day. Uh, EPGFX is my goal fund. People should just buy that. You can buy it at Schwab, Fidelity, E-Trade. You can go directly to my website, yourpacificfunds.com. Get a prospectus. Buy right online. Uh, my goal fund, um, you know, I think we're just going to kill it. I think we're going to you know, beat every other fund out there uh, because I think uh, Adrian actually knows how to pick gold stocks. I mean, most managers have no idea what they're doing. The space is so under-owned. Uh, you know, it's been in a bear market for so long that there's no real good analysts in the space. So I think we have a real edge. And so I think my fund is going to dramatically outperform, you know, the indexes. And it's very hard, you know, for people who don't really know the sector to know which of the junior miners to buy and which ones to avoid, because some are going to go to zero, but some can go up, you know, 50 times. So, you know, you got to know. So I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for people who can take the risk. I think the upside is way worth it. Uh, and then even for people who are just, 
you know, don't want to take the risk of the mining stocks, they have to realize that they're taking a big risk just holding U.S. dollars, and they got to get out. That inflation is coming. It's going to be rather dramatic. It's going to wipe a lot of people out. So we're helping clients uh, create portfolios uh, with assets in Switzerland, Singapore, New Zealand, Norway, places where I think the currencies will do a much better job of, of uh, holding their value. And we're buying good quality defensive stocks for people where they can get income uh, that they could uh, you know, live on. So people who are retiring, uh, near retirement age or in retirement, need to be thinking of inflation and the risks of a collapse of the U.S. dollar in the U.S. bond market and doing something now to guard against those risks, which they can do you know, by contacting, you know, my company, Europe Pacific Capital, our website is europac.com uh, and talk to our broker about transferring an account over and, 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 and you know, getting your portfolio, uh, you know, really crash proofed or inflation proofed and listen to my podcast. I mean, I'm doing a lot of podcasts now, shiftradio.com or on my YouTube channel, just to, you know, keep abreast of what's going on because you're not going to get the truth if you're just getting your news from the mainstream media. Yeah. And besides the podcast, I also recommend checking out Peter Schiff's books. Uh, I know some years ago when I was teaching at university uh, in Mexico, I was uh, teaching various courses in political science, and I was actually assigning some chapters from your books uh, to my students. So hopefully... <laughs> yeah. My most recent one is The Real Crash, America's Coming Bankruptcy, and I think we're headed for The Real Crash now. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast and interview. I would like to remind you that our website is geopoliticsandempire.com and you can sign up for our mailing list that goes out each weekend with the latest podcast and a long collection of important news headlines. It's good to sign up for the newsletter in case we experience censorship and deplatforming. You can help the Geopolitics and Empire podcast by subscribing to and interacting with all of our channels such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, and Steemit. You can also help us by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, and so on. Finally, if you value our work and our mission and would like to see us continue interviewing experts from across the political spectrum, please consider leaving a one-time donation via PayPal or Bitcoin or becoming a regular monthly supporter on our Patreon. All the links can be found on geopoliticsandempire.com. Thanks for listening.